The Daily Tap is live. For Monday, we will talk about the great Packers rebuild debate. We'll also go over the Brewers road trip that was not as much of a disaster as it might seem. We'll also do some golden kegs for the road trip. We will end the show with a hater's guide. Not a hater's guide. Uh, a hater's thoughts on the NBA playoffs. Uh, so kind of where I sit. Also, let's talk a little bit about those Doc, River, Doc Rivers rumors for the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe we'll flip that. Doc Rivers rumors first. Then have some haters' thoughts on the NBA playoffs the, over the weekend and what I've seen in these series thus far. Uh, but yeah, that'll be today's show. Uh, look forward to having you guys all week. We will, I think, have a show actually tomorrow and then we'll take off Wednesday and then Thursday with Mitch, Friday, schedule release for the NFL on Thursday night. So we will cover that all. That's probably the biggest headline of the week, um, as well as Brewers Dodgers, also big deal as well. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder on social media, Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Sorry for a little quiet on the Instagrams and TikToks. It was a busy weekend. My May is busy. The three weekends are just unreal busy. Um, so it's kind of one of those where I have to keep the lights on, but I struggle with that. Uh, if you want to help, inquiries with it. Uh, but no, just kidding. Uh, also, uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the pod. Uh, we really appreciate that. I know a lot of you are. If you're somehow new to this show, uh, you found us through searching or whatever it may be, or if you're new to my Twitter account, new to my TikTok, and you're like, I'm going to check out the podcast today, uh, subscribe, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you use your podcast. Uh, if you're already subscribed, you know what I like you to do? Drop this in the group chat. Talk to, have the discussion about the Packer rebuild today. I know that's a hot, hotly debated topic, and we're going to kind of get into it. We're going to talk about both sides of the aisle, and then we are. I'm going to give my official opinion. The Green Bay Packers have been discussed as a potential rebuild team since Aaron Rodgers got traded. Right? Aaron Rodgers gets traded, and the talking heads immediately believe that Green Bay is going into a rebuild. They thought that Green Bay couldn't win the NFC North. At one point, Green Bay was plus 500 to win the NFC North. Now, those odds have evened out. I think Green Bay is now like 350 or something like that. But people have believed that Green Bay might be the worst team in the NFC North. Now, I think as a fan, I, I don't necessarily see that. I, I'm going to argue both sides here. We're going to talk about both. But I, I don't really see that scenario. I don't see the Packers in this complete tear it down sort of sort of phase. And Kashawn Nixon said this after the, it was announced that the Green Bay Packers were not going to re-sign uh, Mercedes Lewis. And I, I absolutely loved it. I think the quote should be tattooed on every Packers fan's face. Like it was just a great, great quote that sort of set the tone. Keep that rebuild shit off my TL. This ain't that. Hashtag K9. Uh, I absolutely love it. I love that. Now, I think part of the rebuild stuff is due to the fact that David Bakhtiari said it on Bustle with the Boys and made the comment that we are rebuilding. Um, David Bakhtiari, obviously one of the leaders of this football team. But I don't believe that they are rebuilding. In fact, I think they are retooling their roster. I think they're still going to sign veterans. I don't think that they're just going to go with this completely, you know, green team. Uh, no pun intended with the green and gold. But I really don't. I think you got to remember, 
June June first is the sort of a veteran cut day, right? You see a lot of veterans that could cut during that time. Also, there are different cap things. Everything sort of loosens up. I think at that point, Green Bay will start adding veterans. I think they'll add a veteran wide receiver. I think they'll add another safety. I do not think Green Bay is going to go with only four veterans over the age of 28. I really am hard-pressed to see Green Bay do that. And if they do, does that still does that kind of go to a point towards the rebuild argument? It might, right? It might at least feel like Green Bay is sort of in that stage. But you also have to remember some of these young guys have already have second contracts with the Green Bay Packers, already are vital parts to what the Green Bay Packers do, and they should be treated as such. Like Jair Alexander is under 28, but he is as important of anybody on the Green Bay Packer roster. Kenny Clark, also very young. I think Kenny Clark's only 25, if I'm not mistaken. Again, very important to this Green Bay Packer roster. Just because Kenny Clark is 25 doesn't mean that he isn't vital to what Green Bay is trying to do. So that's where like using age is, a, is kind of a tough barometer. It's like if we bring in these fucking dinosaurs to play football, why does that immediately make Green Bay suddenly not a rebuild team? Because we have a couple extra veterans trying to cash one final paycheck. Like adding a couple Sammy Watkins to the mix is really going to make us say, okay, guys, hey, this is not a rebuild. Green Bay is taking, taking it seriously. They have too much talent overall to, to call it a rebuild. They are just a very talented roster. Like, I don't think Green Bay has a lot of holes. Now, you could be like, Charlie, you're being a, a fucking biased fan. It's like, am I, though? Like, quarterback aside, and I, we always talk about Jordan Love here in a second, you have a top-tier running back. You have a young wide receiver that if he probably played out the year, he probably wins rookie of the year. And you have another wide receiver who had some showed some flashes, was good. You added wide receiver talent. You have two tight ends that... It seems like they're going to be ready to play year one. Josiah DeGuerra also not a schlub. And also, remember with Josiah DeGuerra, he lost the trust to Aaron Rodgers. I'm not ready to just completely throw the baby out of the bathwater with Josiah DeGuerra. I think there's a potential there. Their offensive line is stacked. They have a very good offensive line. They didn't draft an offensive lineman because they have a very good offensive lineman. They added an edge rusher with Luke Van Ness and... Some are starting to believe that Luke Van Ness could actually play year one. I saw Ross Uglum. Uh, I don't know. I think Ross doesn't write for the pa- with the Packers anymore. We're still a good Packer Twitter follow. Was like, yeah, I kind of think LVN's a little bit like Christian Watson, where everyone thought he was raw. But if you peel back the onion a little bit, it seems like there is something there. There's something more, and there's something that he could play out the gates, which would line up with what Brian Gunnick said. And if that's the case... That makes the Green Bay Packer defense that much better. You hopefully will get Rashawn Gary back sooner rather than later. You have linebacker Devondre Campbell, one of your quote-unquote above 28 veterans. Uh, Quay Walker hopefully has his head on a little more straight this year after you know a tumultuous rookie year. You have a solid secondary in terms of your corners with Jair, Rasul, Kashawn. Like that's, that's a pretty solid group. And then Eric Stokes comes back at some point, hopefully, and hopefully he's the same player. And then, yeah, the safeties are a little bit of a concern. We've discussed that at, at nauseum. But I just ran through every positional group, and there's talent there. Like, even the safeties. Like, Darnell Savage is not good. I don't think Darnell Savage is a good player, but he he's a round one talent. They have round one talent all over this fucking field. And that, to me, is, is enough. That, to me, says you're not rebuilding. Like, the Chicago Bears... 
example, who have the same odds as the Green Bay Packers or did. I think now the Bears are have the lowest or highest odds for the NFC North. The Bears still have holes to fill. The Bears are not a complete football team, right? The Bears are definitely still rebuilding. Houston Texans have been rebuilding for a while. Now, I actually think the Texans, because they are giving up their first round pick, I think the Texans are a sneaky, like, seven or eight win team next year. I don't tell anybody. that That's a secret that stays between us. And if you listen, you're now in on the Texans bandwagon. Like, I'm jumping on the Texans bandwagon next year. I'm telling you that right now. I think the Texans are going to be good. Um, maybe not, I shouldn't say good, but I think the Texans are going to be in every game. I think they are a over team that I really like. And yeah, I like the Texans. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there. Uh, but anyways, um, so I, I look at that. I look at the Bears as a rebuilding team. The Cardinals for sure are rebuilding. The Cardinals are going to try to trade Kyler Murray. I don't know who's going to take Kyler Murray. But the Cardinals are definitely going to try to trade Kyler Murray at some point, whether it's in the season or at the start of next season. They're going to trade Kyler Murray. And I don't know who's going to take him, but I, I do think someone will talk themselves into Kyler Murray. Um, I think it's going to be really hard, but they're going to figure out a way around that. That is the next big name, in my opinion, to be traded. Like, I, I definitely believe that Kyler Murray is out. And because they're rebuilding, and they are going to get a new quarterback. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are teetering on a rebuild. I, I think you can't look at Tampa and not think that there is a potential rebuild there. But going back to the Green Bay Packers, there is a lot of talent and a promising young quarterback that you can look at and say, all right, why, why is this suddenly a rebuild? Is this a new look? 100%. Absolutely. Don't, no disagree there. Is it a different approach? Yeah, that too. I mean, it's, it's a new, new look. They're not going to adhere to a star quarterback. And Jordan Love could be a star, but Jordan Love is going to listen to his coach. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to kind of free ball like Aaron Rodgers did. But the Packers did not take this down to the studs. And that's the part that I think people are getting hung up on with this rebuild debate is that they don't realize that Green Bay did not tear this thing down. They still have their house. They still have their nice things in that house. They are just redoing one of the major parts of the house. It'd be like redoing your kitchen, right? Redoing your kitchen is extremely expensive. For anyone who's a home builder, you can understand that pain. I just put a new roof on my house. Let me tell you, it ain't cheap. But kitchen's one that you are completely changing the look of your house. You're completely changing what that looks like. To me, that's like getting a new quarterback. And the guy they're getting is not just some schlub off the streets. It's not Baker Mayfield. It's not Kyle Trask. I saw Kyle Brandt had his quarterback tears at Baker Mayfield ahead of Jordan Love, and I think he had a head of maybe Gardner Minshew. I don't know. I, I think it was just NFC. But he had Baker Mayfield and somebody else ahead. And I'm like, look, I'd rather be the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers any day of the fucking week right now. I, I really would. And I think the Packers are more set up for success than the Buccaneers. And you could argue that the Buccaneers and the Packers are, are similar. But remember, the Buccaneers pushed their chips all in to get a ton of veteran talent to surround themselves around Tom Brady and it resulted in a Super Bowl. Now I know what the haters are saying. Well, Charlie, if Packers would have done that, Aaron Rodgers would have had one more Super Bowl. He would have rolled off in the sunset and things would be peachy keen right now. Maybe, but I've said it so many times and those longtime listeners are going to know this and you guys know what I'm going to say here. If David Bakhtiari doesn't get hurt, Green Bay Packers have a Super Bowl. It's that simple. And I I know that sucks. It, It burns every time I say it. 
does not feel good. It's like doing a shot of Jameson. It's not really, it's going to burn every fucking time I say it. But it, it deserves to be repeated because unfortunately injuries happen and that burns you. And that's one that I know the injury directly affected. The Chris Middleton injury, which with the Bucs, it's like, now that I watch the Heat and now I watch how the Bucs struggled against the Heat in non-PJ Tucker years, I wonder, would the Bucs have won the title? I don't know. I don't know if they would have beat, beat that Heat team last year. I have no idea. I, I, I've lent, leaned more towards no, honestly, than yes. So I look at that and I, I, I think that that one is more in question now than, than it ever has been, um, in my opinion. So I go back to Bakhtiari and I know, okay, if they would have had a line to hold up against that Tampa pass rush, they would have been able to win that game. And then the other part of it was Kansas City was overrated and Kansas City came out of a weak AFC and the Packers would have been able to pound them. And they would have won that game and they would have been a Super Bowl champion and we would have another, another Lombardi trophy at Lambeau Field. And Aaron, again, Aaron Rodgers would probably retire. And we would have had, we would have had two years Jordan Love. We might be asking, you know, are the Packers ready to move on to somebody else if Jordan Love had struggled? But that didn't happen. So it, it extended the timeline, and now here we are, where everybody's sort of wondering about this team and the direction of this team. I think a part of it too is that Packer fans are scared. I think there is a scared. I think it's excited, but I think you're also scared. It's like trying, you know, new food for the first time or going on a first date because you just don't know this team. None of us know what this team will look like. We can have our thoughts. We can have our theories. We can talk about how things look in training camp. Um, I think there are some lessons learned from last year's training camp. Remember, how everyone's like, "Oh, this defense is good. Oh my God, like this defense is flying around. Everything." Everything like that. And then we realized they weren't as good uh, as we thought because the Packers offense wasn't that great out the gate. So I, I take that for the game salt. I actually think if we hear like platitudes about the defense, you know, training camp, we need to then say, okay, it's time to worry about the offense. Or if the defense struggles, it's like, okay, maybe this offense is going to be fucking legit. And this defense is having trouble keeping up. It's, it's an interesting game that we're going to have play uh next season because I, I really think last year we kind of tricked ourselves into believing this defense was something and now you know how I feel about Joe Barry I don't need to go into it further but I, I think we're all just sort of waiting for the season to start it's a long way right we have four months like legitimately four months before we start the NFL and the schedule will be out on Thursday and we'll have a better idea of if the Packers start out with an easy schedule or if they start, you know, all in. Like if they start in and they have to play the Chiefs and Chargers, you know, the first month of the season, that's probably not going to go well. And it's probably not going to lead to a lot of good vibes. But yeah, the first game of the year will be September 10th. Uh, and that, so that is legitimately four months away. And then we'll sort of know like, all right, what's this Packer team really made of? And even if Green Bay starts slow, it doesn't mean like, yeah, you should just pack it in. Now, am I a believer that if they're two and six, they should start thinking about 2024, given how good the quarterback draft is? Yeah, I do. I, I, I've i been on, on that. I'm saying more like if they're two and four, right? Then I, I still believe like you have a chance to turn it around. You have a chance to make something out of nothing. But yeah, if you're going to be a, the last thing I'll leave you with, if you really think the Packers are rebuilding Aaron Jones does not sign a deal here. They sign a, they sign a young running back. This is a good running back draft. 
You sign a Tank Bigsby. You maybe try to move up to get Jameer Gibbs. I realize he went 12. I, I think no one expects that. Let's just let's just live in the land of where the mocks were, and he was like 20th, right? You move up to get like a Jameer Gibbs, who's an Aaron Jones replacement, and you get a running back to pair with A.J. Dillon, and Aaron Jones is no longer on this team. That's number one. Number two, you try to trade David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari, you know, does have a big contract, but he has an opt-out in 2024. So a team could easily have Bakhtiari services for a year plus and have a leader, have a guy who, you know, I think is really solid still. I know he his knee management is a bitch, and he talks about that on that same podcast, Plus with Boys, that we mentioned earlier, which I really recommend every Packer fan to go listen. So, but you would have done those things. That those would have been signs of rebuilds. If 33 and 69 aren't there, that that's that is a sign of a rebuild. But it's not. Packers are keeping it all together. They're just redoing one major part of their house. And we'll see if it pays off. We'll see if it looks better. And we'll see if Green Bay is contending for a playoff spot. And then personally, I think they will be. All right. Let's move on uh, to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, we haven't done a ton of Brewers recently, I think, with all the Bucks news, with just where everything is, and the Brewers kind of hit us sort of a malaise. It, it was a little bit of a bum out, right? Like, very classic uh, from the Brewers, where the Bucks suck. The Bucks have played bad. Uh, everybody's like, all right, looking to the Brewers for solace, and then they suck too. And they're like, actually, you know what? All this good vibes, all the, the April stuff we're doing, yeah, throw that right out the window. Uh, the Brewers have limped out the gates in the month of May. Uh, they're currently, I think they're now 19 and 14 after a one and six road trip, or one and five road trip. Now, I know what you would say, one and five road trip, that's not great. That's not, that's not going to exactly get it done, but... Pittsburgh, Ste- Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh Pirates, some football mode. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates have lost seven straight games. And because of that, the Milwaukee Brewers are only a half game back of first place. They've actually gained a game on the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Chicago Cubs are three of their last seven, uh, three of their last 10 as well. Uh, so they're struggling. So the Brewers are four and five in their last 10, four and six, excuse me, in the last 10 games. The only team that is better in the NL Central right now in that stretch is the Cincinnati Reds. And they're 14 and 20. And they just got shit pumped by the Chicago White Sox at home. So like the Brewers are still okay. The run differential is a little concerning, only at 17. I know that's something that some fans worry about. Um, the Brewers have sort of defied that in the in past past times. The Cubs right now actually are at 46, but I think that's a little fugazi because they played the Oakland A's and they scored a bunch of runs that weekend, that, that week. So I think you have to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. I think we should do run differentials and just see who's played the Oakland Athletics, and then, then we'll have a better idea. Right now, the A's have given up 261 runs so far this year. That's fucking crazy. That, that's absurd from the Oakland Athletics, who are 8-27 uh, during this season. But I, I don't look at this road trip as like this big like condemnation of the Brewers. It shows a little bit of regression, right? But I don't think it's exactly reality. Like, I don't think it's, this is who the Brewers are. The Brewers are this like 500 baseball team or, or sub 500 baseball team. I just think it's a ba- it was a bad road trip. I think Coors is not a place they played terribly well. I think, you know, AT&T Park has sort of been a, a new house of horrors for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, but I mean, they really only got beat badly twice. Like you really look at the, the games themselves and you say, okay, Tuesday night, 
They had absolutely nothing for Kyle Freeland. That was all under and runs too, by the way. So you could even make a case that if you know errors don't happen in that inning, the Brewers might actually have had a chance in that one. But they, they had no offense that night. They were absolutely lifeless on Tuesday night. They were absolutely lifeless on Saturday night against Alex Cobb. And so those two nights, I'm like, all right, those were legitimate losses. They're going to happen, right? 162 games. But then you had the other three losses were kind of either or games. The game on Monday night, you know, Strzelecki gives up a couple tough runs and that struggles. And then Strzelecki also gives up some runs on Thursday night. The Brewers had a 6-0 lead in that game. Like the Brewers were should have won Thursday. Thursday is probably the one that's the toughest pill to swallow. You had a 6-0 lead. You should have shut that door. That should have been that should have been over. That that game should not have happened that way. And then you had Friday night where you have Corbin Burns on the mound. You have your ace. And he gives up a two-out, two-strike pitch to Jock Peterson, who has been a Brewer killer for the last few years, and hits an RBI two-run single and gives the Giants the lead, and the Giants end up winning that baseball game. So you look at those kind of moments. Strzelecki, if they close the door on, well, it was really, they put Wade Miley out there for probably an extra inning that they didn't need to on Saturday, and that, or on Thursday, excuse me, I'm all over my dates. But... You just look at those like moments, and you're like, "All right, Brewers win one of that, one of those games. If they win two of those games, there, that's a 500 road trip. They win one of those games, it's two and four. And while two and four isn't exactly great, you probably take that still. Like you'd look at that and you'd say, "Okay, you're still nine and seven on on like two West Coast road trips throughout the year. Like that's pretty damn good. Like you take that. And so now you look at it and you're like, "Yeah, one and one and five is not great." But nobody else really played great this week either. So you kind of reset the deck. And you're able to sort of now see, all right, what kind of adjustments do we have to make? The Brewers still need to figure out left-handers. They have Clayton Kershaw on Wednesday afternoon. So that'll be their next big left-hander test. And Kershaw's been terrific so far this season. I mean, he hasn't really missed the A beat uh, on the year. But they need to sort of figure out, all right, how do we make adjustments now, right? The regression is more about the younger guys. The Weimer, I know Bryce Strang was 7 to 15, um, but he, you know, they, the hits didn't mean anything. There were no RBIs, there were no home runs. I mean, it's nice that he's making contact, and so maybe there's some adjustment there, but Weimer was 2 for 17 uh, on this trip. Um, you have, you know, other guys who are maybe, a, you know, Willie Adamas. There was adjustments to Willie Adamas. Now he figured that out, and I wouldn't exactly qualify him as a young guy, but. It's obvious that teams sort of adjusted to the Brewers' success. And they're like, all right, what are the Brewers doing, and how do we stop that? And they they need to sort of now make those adjustments. And you saw it with Adamas. You kind of saw it with Terang. Weimer now has to do it. I think Yelich, you know, made some adjustments that were nice. Tyrone Taylor has struggled out the box as well. Um, but I, I do think, like, the Brewers are going to be okay. I don't think that this is somehow the start of the end for the Milwaukee Brewers. Like, May is a tough schedule, no doubt about it. Like, but you look at it and maybe it's not as tough, right? Um, I know you have the Dodgers who are going to be difficult, but you kind of get a fortunate break here that the Dodgers are coming in from San Diego to play a game in Mo. It's likely they didn't get in until like three o'clock, four o'clock last night, and you got to play the Brewers tonight. They don't have a day off in Milwaukee. They have to play tonight. That's tough. That's going to be really tough on that Dodgers team. Um, so you got to win tonight. Like tonight. I wouldn't say it's a must win, but it, it's definitely a win that you should get. You should get tonight. That no matter you know the matchup. I know it's. I think it's Gosselin and Freddie tonight. 
Like you, you have to get that win if you're the Brewers. Um, and then you have the Royals, who have not been playing good baseball. They're, they have about the same record as the Oakland Athletics. You have to take advantage over the weekend. And then you go to St. Louis. St. Louis has obviously been struggling. Tampa Bay is not going to be easy. Tampa Bay is going to be like chewing glass. Uh, but you can get that. If you get that done, at least you know not get swept. And then you go home and play Houston, who's not playing good baseball right now. They're 17 and 17. The Astros, whether it's a World Series hangover, what their pitching staff is a mess right now. Uh, they just really don't have a lot there in terms of their rotation. So maybe the Astros are not as scary as it looked, you know, at the start of the year here. And so can you make something out of this? And I, I believe they can. And I don't think that these games are somehow a sort of starting point of here's when the ball rolls down the hill. Here's where the April curse, you know, you know, rips its ugly head and the Brewers are 10 and 18 in the month of May. Has May started out the way you wanted it? No. But can you, you know, go and win four or five, ne- four or five on the next homestand and sort of even it out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Brewers just need to kind of start stringing together wins. And I think that's something that they have struggled with a little bit. Like they can't seem to, you know, get over the hump of three or four straight. It's like win two and then you lose two. And that was a lot of last year. I think that's the one thing that I think is worth keeping an eye out here in this month is, you know, can the Brewers, um, you know, not necessarily, I guess, inconsistently play baseball. And that was the, that was the kind of theme of, of the end of last year is just, it was inconsistent. Every time you thought, okay, here, here are the Brewers going on a run, they'd lose two or three straight. And that was, you know, it, that sort of was the, the, the story of, of the post hater era for the Brewers. And you need to, you kind of put a nip in that and hopefully you can win four or five games and then really, really sort of see where, what can happen with that Brewers baseball team. As for Golden Kegs for the road trip, it was not a good road trip for the Milwaukee Brewers, but we still have a few things to talk about. Um, I did mention some names. I sort of spoiled it. I'm really bad at that with Golden Kegs. Where I'll, all of a sudden, I'll start talking about guys, and I'm like, dude, you know these are part of your Golden Kegs, right? Um, for those who are new or you forgot, it's Golden Kegs are the best and worst of what we see. Uh, we've been doing it by series. We, we're going to try to get back to by series versus uh, road trips and homestands. But it's just been easier recently um, with less content now coming up with the Bucks Now in their offseason with the Packers in their offseason, um, it might be, you know, after homestands, you know, when we get those opportunities. But I think we'll do homestand again because Mitch and I are taping on Thursday. So and Mitch and I don't, this is a, a daily tap segment, not a, not a tapping the keg segment. Anyways, not that you care. Five stars, Elvis Peguero. So Elvis Peguero only pitched twice. He did well in those two play, two things. But Elvis Peguero is a dude. Like Elvis Peguero is part of the bullpen. Um, I think it was a nice add for the Brewers. He was part of that Hunter Renfro deal. Um, and Peguero has been really solid for the Brewers. And I don't know if I'm ready to say like, hey, he's an eighth inning guy, but he's potentially a seventh inning guy. And he might, you know, graduate up to that eighth inning. But the confidence is growing with Elvis Peguero, and that's that's really good. And you need more guys like that. Um, I think Joel Pagamas, who pitched really well on Sunday, um, who could definitely have got a nod here for a top keg honor. Um, Pagamas has been really solid too. So I think this Brewer bullpen had some struggles, and we're going to talk about that in the latter part of the keg segment here. But I, I still think they're they're okay. I still think they have enough guys and enough tools in there 
in their shed to be be successful. So good stuff from Pagaro. I hope he gets in more situations uh, going forward. I think he will. Um, and excited to see the outcome of that. Four stars of Christian Yelich. Actually a really good road trip for Christian Yelich. He was 8 of 26 on this road trip. He hit 308. He had a homer. He had uh, three RBIs. He had a really good uh, Thursday afternoon in Colorado uh, where he did have that homer. He had That was a three-hit game for him. He also had a two-hit game on Sunday against San Francisco. So really solid stuff from Yelich. Um, I, I know that Yelich doesn't have like the gaudy like three or four home runs here. Um, and, and maybe it's not quote-unquote MVP-like stuff. But eight for 26, you'll take on a road trip. And that's that's pretty good for Yelich. And I know... I know the haters will be like, oh yeah, he's not, he's still not, he's still hitting into the ground. He's still striking out. Well, actually striking out, he only had two strikeouts this week. And I think that's maybe the more important thing is Yelich has had some really big strikeouts uh, for the first month of the year. And the fact that he only had two says a lot to me. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe it's the start of something. I'm not, I don't, I always will do this with Yelich. I'll be like, oh yeah, here we go. And then Yelich kind of falls apart. So hopefully Hopefully, I, as I go with trepidation, maybe we see more of Yelich uh, against the Dodgers and Royals on this homestand. Three stars of Freddie Peralta. Uh, so I, I was going to have Freddie Peralta higher on this list. And then I realized, you know, he, he did give up some hits. He did give up some runs. Like, it wasn't a perfect Freddie Peralta start. Like, and I'm not trying to exactly be a hater here with Fred. Like, he still had 10 strikeouts. He still had a bunch of swing and miss stuff. Like, it still was okay. He just gave up seven hits. He didn't walk three batters. Like, he, and his whip was like 1.63. And actually, Burns and him had the exact same ERA. They allowed the same amount of runs, even though I felt like Burns's runs were a lot more impactful, I guess because the last two were unearned because of the Domus error. So that's why. But yeah, I, I, I look at what Freddie did. Still really good. You still have to champion what, what he did in that game against Colorado. Um, and if Freddie, Freddie's the ace, Freddie's the ace. Like right now, I think the biggest problem with the Brewers is they don't really have that shutdown guy. Corbin Burns has not showed himself as a shutdown guy. If Corbin Burns was the ace that I think we thought he he is, and he didn't make the list here, but he certainly could have, Corbin Burns needed to shut that game down on Friday. That needed to be a shutdown performance and say, all right, we're done losing baseball. And that's what the great pitchers do. And I don't think Corbin Burns right now is a great pitcher. Has he been a great pitcher in the past? Yeah, for sure. But for those who, you know, kind of missed this, and I talked about this, you know, heading into the year, and, you know, you guys didn't want to listen. I said, Corbin Burns has been struggling since August. There's a reason his ARB numbers were, were what it was. And that's why, you know, he did, they, the Brewers didn't just hand over $700,000. And I think a Burns extension, weirdly enough, is actually more realistic than it's ever been. And you're like, well, he sucks now. It's like, well, no, he's just not pitching. He's not finishing batters. Jack Stern had a great stat where he's like, 15% in terms of finishing with his cutter. His cutter is not necessarily as unhittable as it's been in the past. Now, is that because it's a new ball? Is that because of Contreras, who has done a pretty good job in terms of catching? Like, let's not let's not get it fucked up. It's, we're not throwing him under the bus like the St. Louis Cardinals are with his brother. Like, absolutely not. He's done a good job. But, I, I mean, that, those are all questions. Like, why isn't he finishing with his cutter? It's like having like the tombstone pile driver as your as your finishing move, and somehow you're fucking it up now. Um, it, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But still, can get back there. 
And maybe he's a distressed asset a little bit and you can talk to him about, all right, let's come to the table. Let's see if you can get something done. I have to believe the reason why the Brewers don't have a Willie Adams deal done is because they're trying to get something done with their pitchers. Maybe that's naive of me. Maybe that's dumb fans shit. But I, I, I do wonder about that. So who knows? Um, but yeah, Burns needs to be an ace. And Freddy Peralta has the opportunity to do it. I think Wade Miley has probably been the ace at this point. Um, it has been probably the best pitcher out of the five guys, which is fucking wild to say, um, you know, in our Lord 2023, I'm happy for my dad. I think he's hopefully he's feeling better. He's got a little bit of the flu. Uh, he's supposed to go on Wednesday and he'll see his boy, Wade Miley loves Wade Miley. Um, so hopefully he gets, he gets that opportunity. Two stars, Peter Strzelecki, uh, man, step back for Peter Strzelecki. I, you know, I touted that guy as the eighth inning guy. He got that role. He got that opportunity. Uh, he kind of fell flat on his face uh, this week. Uh, it was not good for Peter. He took two losses. Uh, he gave up seven hits in two plus innings, uh, six earned runs. Um, now, some of that was not all him. Uh, the Colorado, he was taken out of that game and then more runs were allowed. That thing got out of fucking control. Uh, but really tough week for Peter Strzelecki. Um, not ready to completely, you know, say, okay, yeah, that's what he is. And he's fallen back to earth. I still think he could be that eighth inning guy, but maybe it's an indication that the eighth inning is more of a sort of turnstile than like, oh yeah, it's definitely belonging to Peter Strzelecki. One stop, one keg, uh, goes to, uh, Tyrone Taylor, uh, just a rough start for Tyrone Taylor. Three of 18. I'm not ready to be like, oh yeah, Tyrone Taylor, you know, needs to be on the bench. But yeah, it's just not what I would have liked for a start of the season. You want, you always want to start hot, and Tyrone Taylor definitely didn't. So yeah, that's Golden Kegs, and let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks and talk a little Doc Rivers, and then talk about the haters' sort of view of the NBA playoffs so far. I don't really know where the Doc Rivers rumor started. I mean, Bill Simmons mentioned it uh, on his podcast, so maybe that's where it is. And I understand Bill has kind of a large following, right? I will listen to Bill all the time. Uh, you guys hear me quote Bill Simmons and talk about takes that Bill and Ryan Rossillo have all the time, right? So maybe it's there. And it was mentioned on his podcast on Friday. I think it was Big Waz that said, oh, maybe, oh no, was it Bill? I, that said, hey, maybe it's Doc Rivers because Woj hinted out that the Bucks might potentially be looking at guys who are still in the playoffs. So that immediately sent off red flags to a lot of people and said, okay, the Bucs are going to hire Doc Rivers. I would be stunned if the Bucs went with Doc Rivers. I have no idea why Bucs fans immediately go to the worst possible solution. Doc Rivers is no different than Mike Budenholzer, right? Doc Rivers has had playoff failure after playoff failure. There is no reason why you would look at what Doc Rivers has done and say, that's the guy we need in Milwaukee. I can't square up why they would think Doc Rivers would suddenly fix all the issues that the Bucs had. Doc Rivers had been you know, criticized by Simmons himself of having a clogged toilet offense on the half court. Guess what some of the Bucs issues are? Half court offense. Guess what some of the concerns are with Nick Nurse? His half court offense. And so why the fuck wouldn't you have the same thing with Doc Rivers? I, I do not understand where people are getting this besides just floating out names, trying to square, you know, the the conversation, trying to figure out, okay, what guy is still coaching that could be a realistic option? There are a lot of talented assistants on all of those staffs. 
And I realized that some are known, some aren't, right? Rick Adelman's kid, I forget his name. Um, he's the head assistant for Denver. Rick Adelman, longtime NBA coach. Now, I'd argue, I know it's different because it's a son, but Rick Adelman was a classic, like Mike Boonholz are type. Really good regular season coach, didn't do shit in the, in, the NBA, in the playoffs. Now, does that translate to his son? No. Am I a huge fan of a Nepo baby getting the job? No, not really. I'll be honest. Uh, Sam Cassell, he's Doc Rivers' assistant. I'm not really that high on Sam Cassell. I, I get the nostalgia of it. I get the 2001 Bucks vibes, but I don't really look at Sam Cassell as being a, a guy for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Kenny Atkinson, and we're gonna do a big coach's carousel segment, by the way, um, so I don't wanna get too far into it. Kenny Atkinson, I fucking love. I, I, I think that's Mitch and I's guy. Um, honestly, and I think that Kenny Atkinson is the is the dude for me. So that's another guy that's available that's coaching on the Warriors staff. Darvin Ham, I sure has bug guys on his staff that maybe they're interested. And I don't think it's unrealistic to think the Bucks might try to get Darvin Ham. Now, do I think Darvin Ham will go? No, but they at least will, might want a conversation. And that's the part that I I don't want to, I don't think we should close the door on. And you guys are like, that's crazy. Why would you leave the Lakers for the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a lot easier to work with than LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Let's just be honest, right? You don't have to worry about clutch. You don't have to worry necessarily about if Anthony Davis is going to stay healthy. They ESPN did a fucking segment for Anthony Davis because he stayed healthy for 20, 20 games uh, yesterday or the day prior. So it's like, I don't know. Maybe Milwaukee is more alluring from the idea of a head coach and that you could probably win more championships. Now, do I think LA would give him every chance to succeed? Do I think that his popularity as an NBA coach would be elevated being in LA? Absolutely. It would be extremely unique. It would not be something that I think we've seen ever in the NBA going from small mar- big market to small market. It usually is the opposite. It would be a win for the small markets. It would break every brain on first take, undisputed, first things first, every talking edge of the herd, you name it. They would all be like, what the fuck is Darvin Ham doing? But I, I don't think it's unrealistic. I really don't. And maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the, I'm the crazy one, okay? But I think people are nuts to assume it's Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has no ties to Milwaukee besides being a Marquette grad. And that was fucking 30 plus years ago. That was longer than that. It was almost 40 years now. It was 40 years. Like, that's a long ass time. And yes, Doc Rivers has, you know, spoken in platitudes. And I use that word now a second time. But it, like, he's definitely talked highly of Marquette. And talked highly of the city of Milwaukee. Like, yes, that has been, that has happened. But that's what any person who's a proud alum does, right? You do that. That's part of being an alum. That's that. That's you know being proud of, and, and like so. Yes, there is that angle, but I don't look at that and say, okay, that immediately squares us up to say Doc Rivers, Bucks head coach. I would be floored if that was Milwaukee's choice. I think that the message you'd send to your fan base would be very bad, and we would be in a very bad spot, and we'd have to recalibrate a lot of things. And I don't know if I could do it. And Mitch, I, I would be really worried for Mitch. Let's just put it that way. So yeah, I don't understand where that rumor is coming from. Uh, I want to do at least talk about it a little bit because he will not be part of any sort of coaching carousel 
discussion that we we do have. All right, let's talk about a little bit of the haters' sort of thoughts on the on the NBA playoffs so far. Maybe he look like they're going to potentially get to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's number one. That's my first take out of the box. Um, they play in the night. Uh, I think the Heat, I, I could see the Knicks winning tonight. I, st- I still think the Knicks could make it a longer series. I thought Jalen Rose's comments while I got laughed at about the Miami weather could have affected the Knicks. I did wonder about that for the Bucks in game three. And if that played a factor, right? Because it was, you know, obviously April and it wasn't like, you know, back in 2021 when the Bucks came to Milwaukee or uh, Miami, you know, the weather had already flipped in, in Milwaukee. It was already starting to get warm outside and things like that. that. That didn't make me at least give maybe game three a little bit more of a thought that maybe it wasn't just the sandbagging and but the Knicks looking this sloppy. I'll, I'll kind of have to monitor and see if this happens, if the if the Heat do advance. Uh, but yeah, the Heat look really good. And the Cavs should be charged with war crimes for letting Kevin Love go. Like, fuck that franchise, honestly. Like that, I, I like, the more Kevin Love outlets pass, the more mad I get that Kevin Love is on this basketball team. So yeah, and I know I had a buddy this weekend was like, if we play the Knicks, we would have swept them. And I'm like, yeah, probably. Or it would have been a five-game series. But that's just, again, the pain of having to deal with this. And then the other side, Boston Philly, it's like, I told you guys about Joel Mazzola. I've said this, I don't know how many times, if you've listened to this podcast and you're a loyal listener and I appreciate that, how many times did I tell you guys, I think the Bucs can have an edge in the Celtics in the playoffs because Joel Mazzola is not a good coach. And I was right. And that we're seeing it now. Doc Rivers, not really that great of a coach. But Doc Rivers has been eating his lunch. And Doris Burke, who apparently Celtics fans think hate, which is hilarious because I've watched Doris, Doris Burke basically, you know, be a Celtics fan while watching, you know, against the Bucs. So get the fuck out of my face with that. That is laughable um, at best. But he, Joe Mazzola is a bad coach. And I thought that would have been the biggest advantage for the Bucs in a, in a Bucs-Celtics series. I thought Bud actually had an advantage over Joe Mazzola. And that, man... That's really sticking in my craw um, because, yeah, I think now it's a best of three. And I think, you know, that favors Philly in some regard. And then there was also, you know, the P.J. Tucker angle. P.J. Tucker yelling at Joel Embiid to stop being a pussy at the end of at the end, end of regulation. And you're like, that's why you get P.J. Tucker. And Bucks fans go, oh, Bucks are too cheap to sign P.J. Tucker. Rah, rah, rah. Okay. For the hundredth fucking time, guys. PJ Tucker didn't want to be here. I have that on good authority, right? Like I, sometimes like I don't have sources and I don't know shit. I know that one. I talked to people who w- talked to PJ and PJ did not like it here, okay? Like you have to get that in your fucking hats, all right? We all have to do that. He didn't want to be here, okay? Some people just don't like Milwaukee, which is okay, right? Like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a city I don't like. I haven't... I haven't really come across a city I don't like. Um, maybe that just speaks to me being a basic bitch. But like, I I know, and he just didn't like living here. It was too small. He saw a bunch of people. He wanted to be out on the streets. He didn't get that. You know, now he's in Miami. Now he's in Philadelphia, or was in Miami. Now he's in Philadelphia. Like, PJ is a club guy. And we don't have a ton of clubs. And you see those. And they know it. And, you know, Shaken would tell us about it. We talk, we've talked about PJ in the past. Like, PJ did not like it here. He had talked about if he was going to reset with the Bucs, he was going to get a place in Chicago, he was going to drive up. That was a legit conversation 
that PJ had with somebody that I know. So, like, we gotta we gotta work on our like sort of hand wringing on PJ Tucker. That's all I gotta say. As for the West, uh, the Ishbia Jokic feud is interesting. Um, I really don't like Matt Ishbia. Yeah, I heard him on Simmons podcast, and he sounded like a self help guy. Um, I I didn't get it. Like he was just talking about how much he wanted to win, and I was like, okay, cool, dude. Like awesome new car. Uh, very much Dan Gilbert energy. Like Dan Gilbert's his big rival in the mortgage world, and he sounded exactly like him. So not not exactly surprising. Uh, I still like Denver in that series. Um, I think as you get further into the series. That's where, like, Durant gets scary. Speaking from experience in 2021, like, Durant in game five, you know, whatever. He had a, just an absolute banger of a game. I'm trying not to use Masterclass because Masterclass is way overdone um, in our society at this point. But I think he had, like, I think in that game he had 49. Like, he was unstoppable. And I think as later as you go in the series, the more Kevin Durant gets scared. Kevin Durant gets scarier as the series goes on. And so that's my only worry for the Nuggets. I felt like the Nuggets were the best team after watching those first two games. I even thought after game three where they lost by a few points, but I was like, you know what? This team's still really hung in there, and you know, I, I think they're going to be fine. And they were right in that game, and then Landry Shamit went off. They weren't guarding Landry Shamit. And that those are the type of things that can kill you. As a Bucks fan, I know this. Like that That's a Grant Williams game right there for, for the Nuggets. And... Yeah, that's annoying. If you're if you're waking up this morning as a Denver fan, you're wondering how the fuck did we let Landry Shamit beat us? I, I've, I'm there. I, I can sympathize with that. And then lastly, uh, Lakers Warriors. I, I I said if Anthony Davis plays, like they're they're going to be really hard to beat. The Warriors don't have an answer inside, and they don't. Um, but the question is, can you get Anthony Davis every game? Can Anthony Davis show up? Um, I think the assumption is now Anthony Davis will not show up in this game, uh, in Game Four. So we'll have to see if he does. Uh, I could certainly see a situation where it's 3-1 Lakers and the Warriors come back, win it, chase center, it's 3-2. And then it all comes down to a decisive game six. Um, and, I, and that to me is, I think, I think where I'm leaning. I don't know yet though. I haven't, I haven't exactly decided uh, how I'm leaning uh, tonight. I think it... It'd be really fun for the NBA if everything's 2-2. I mean, that the ratings have been crazy. Would you look at that? We got all media markets in, and the ratings are awesome. Seven out of the eight are, like, top major media markets, and the ratings are fucking great. And they have a TV deal coming up. Wouldn't look, that's very convenient. I, like, I, the Heat beat us, man, but you just wonder about that a little bit. You, you can't – I can't ignore it. I can't, can't get it out of my fucking head. I, I just can't. I know it's that dumb conspiracy tinfoil hat bullshit, but I, I just can't get it out of my head. All right. That does it for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to do, I don't know exactly what, I, I'm going to do probably something Bucks related or something something along those lines. I have to think about what I want to do with Mitch. I think it's, I'm going to have a conversation with Mitch and then we'll uh, we'll sort of go into that because I have, I have a topic that I either do for myself or I do with Mitch, um, this little more, you don't need to know all of this information. But basically, a Bucks topic to start the show. Um, it's either going to be about coaching or NBA final storylines. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, and I'm trying to think. Anything else? Um, yeah, we'll be back to tomorrow and then day off and then Mitch and I. And then we'll talk NFL schedule on Friday show. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Monday. Hopefully it's not rainy where you are. It's going to be awful here weather-wise in Milwaukee. Um, and have a good day. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.